You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. As Kenshin, we have an opportunity to um, kind of share second week uh, of a three-week sermon series kind of talking about resolution. And last week, we had a chance to talk about how God resolutely loves you. God is resolutely loving you. And I don't know that that's great grammar, but it's phenomenal theology, right? That God is resolved in loving you that God is resolved in loving me, even when we feel unlovable, even when we kind of are unlovable, that somehow like on God's end, that doesn't stop God's love from kind of breaking through every obstacle that we put in God's path, um, right? To not touch us or reach us because we feel unworthy um, or whatever other kind of reasons that we kind of conjure up in our head. But, but God's love actually does break through all of that, whether we acknowledge it or know it or receive it or not, that's what God's love does. And so um, last weekend, opportunity to talk about that. And today we have an opportunity to just reflect a little bit on um, what that kind of resolved love, what that kind of resolved love is meant to do in in our relationships with with one another. It's actually meant to lead us to a spirit of of reconciliation. Uh, And so uh, I had not planned to tell the story, but it came to me 10 minutes ago. And um, since I like thought there was going to be a bunch of snow and I didn't really think I was going to get to preach today, I'm going to tell this story that I actually, um, like I normally don't tell the story because it could be embarrassing to my dad, but right now I'm not really worried about that. Um, It's, it's a bit of a humorous story, but it also has a point. So bear with me and I'll be, I'll be brief about it. But um, this is the church version of this story. When we retell this story in our family around the dinner table, it might even have like a little more dramatic flair to it. Um, but I promise you that what I'm getting ready to tell you, tell you actually literally happened um, in the way that I'm going to describe it. It's sad that a preacher needs to say that, but a preacher needs to say that. Um, so uh, anyway, so uh, I remember it was March. I remember it was ACC tournament weekend. I remember I was like either at UNC Charlotte or, or Duke, I don't remember, um, but somewhere in those college years for me and uh, was coming up here actually. Uh, Lake Junaluska kind of always been a spiritual home um, for me and we're coming to stay at a friend's house and watch the ACC tournament. That's how I can remember what time of year it was. Um, and uh, we were kind of leaving from uh, Gastonia, which is uh, where I went to high school, where my mom and dad um, had lived. And so we had an opportunity to, um, my dad and my brother and I, go ahead and like load up in his car and, and come up here to watch the games. And so it was like that Friday of, of ACC tournament weekend. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. My dad thought that for some reason it would be a really good idea um, to, you know, early spring to cut the grass. Uh, right before we, we, we got, you know, right before we got on the road. And so he decided to do that, but he's having like a little trouble with the battery. It was, um, we were living in a parsonage in Gastonia. It was like an old, really like, you know, John Deere, like lawnmowers, like they last forever. Well, this one had lasted forever. Uh, and he was trying to like, he couldn't get it to start. Uh, and so he like kind of took the battery out and kind of put it in the seat and kind of messed with it and all that kind of good stuff and put the battery back in. And like, my dad's kind of like me, not super handy. Um, so like when we're doing stuff like that, we're kind of like pretending like we're handy, but we're really not. Um, 
And so sure enough, um, well, like we then, like he got, you know, on the lawnmower, he kind of rode around the, the yard, did his thing. We got in the car and, you know, we made the two plus hour drive up here. And I'll never forget as long as I live, we pulled into the driveway of the house that we were staying at Lake Junaluska. And um, my dad actually then um, kind of gets out of the car, as do my brother. Um, I, my dad's driving, so my brother is probably in the passenger seat. I'm, I'm in the back and we get out. And um, my, my dad has no seat to his pants. <laughs> Literally has no seat. And when I say no seat to his pants, I mean, there was evidently acid in that battery, right, that he put in the seat of the lawnmower. All right, true story. I, sw- I wish this was not true, but true story. The, the, there's some acid that got out, but it was old, right? It was old. Um, it was an old battery. And, and so sure enough, when he sat on the lawnmower and rode around and then got in the car. We looked in the, in the uh, driver's seat of the car and what was left of the seat of his jeans and pants were there stuck to the, <laughs> stuck to the driver's seat. Um, I know that's not a pleasant image. Like I get it, like, you know, bear with me for a minute. Bear with me for a minute. But we asked my dad, we're like, how in the world? And I'm not going to go into detail about how we knew that, like, he had some irritation going on from the acid, but, he, but we, we did know this. We did know this. And, um, <laughs> and we asked him, said, dude, like, why didn't you stop or, like, notice something? And he said, well, you know, I thought it felt a little warm down there, but, like, I didn't know what that was about. Um, I'll just stop there. I could go on, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the story there. Um, here, here's the point, right? Here's the, there is a point. (laughs) There is a point. It's not just to make you laugh. There's really a point. Um, the point is that, that he was being eaten alive by acid and he didn't even know it. He was being eaten alive by battery acid, but he didn't even know it. Um, sometimes, friends, we find ourselves in seasons and situations in life where um, anybody ever, like, like I, you know, like I could say today, like, I don't know that I want to preach on reconciliation because sometimes anger is just more fun. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, it's not really fun, but, but you know, anger is an interesting thing, right? It, like, makes you feel alive. It, like, kind of juices you up. It, it helps you stand for things that are important to you. Like, like, that's some of what anger does for us, right? And there's some adrenaline that goes on with that. I could ask Don Buckner to give me some, like, um, you know, like, psychological reasons why anger kind of does that for us. But it, but it does, though, right? Just in a layman's term, it, it, it does do that for us. And yet we have, like, an opportunity this morning to consider um, if, like, reconciliation isn't an essential part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and if it is, then God is kind of charting out a better way for us. Because sometimes things are eating us up, friends. Like sometimes things are eating us, literally like eating away at us, and we, we don't even realize uh, that it's happening. Um, we don't even realize that it's happening. And so uh, I want to kind of invite you into a time where we can kind of pick up where we left off last week. Um, this is um, Matthew, the 18th chapter. And again, uh, just to do a little bit of recap, I don't want to retread too much from last week, but, um, but we have this you know, great question that begins the whole entire chapter. Um, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked who like, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and then he tells this story about how a, like, a vulnerable child and childlike faith is like the best of all. 
And, and so he's really kind of talking about like a child who really like think about children and think about children, especially in ancient times. Um, there, there's no like, um, like workers' rights for children. Like they just think about children in ancient times. You'll, th- you'll think about the image of vulnerability, right? That everybody wanted children. But a lot of why you wanted children was because that's where some prosperity could happen, right? That's where, um, that's where your social security was going to be, right? Uh, an expanded family was meant to, to be this powerful and profound image of God providing um, for you and God blessing you. And so this was some of what was written into to family life in ancient times. And Jesus knows this. And Jesus is lifting up the frailty and the vulnerability and the simple power in, in a child, and in a childlike faith and lifts that up as, you know, children, like they, um, you know, they're kind of like innocent until they're not, right? <laughs> and they're kind of innocent. And, and we have this amazing image of, of what it means um, to encounter the kingdom of heaven like a child. And Jesus uses really strong language about standing in the way of, of children. Um, you kind of might as well like have a millstone kind of cast around around your neck. And so he uses really strong language around defending children. Uh, and then verse 15, verses 15 to 20 is where I really want to focus in today. These are verses that you may have heard before because like Matthew 18 is, it's, the primary way that the church has talked about being agents and ambassadors of reconciliation. We're a lot better sometimes about talking about it than we are about living it. Can we confess that? Like we as the church are often a lot better at that. Um, But I just want to kind of walk through this and just point out a couple of words for your consideration and and, uh, kind of let us kind of pray on them. Uh, Verse 15, if another member of the church sins against you, Right? Then go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. Can I just like stop there for just a second? Let's walk through this together. Uh, just a couple of things stand out to us, right? If another member of this church, so this is again about community, it's about kind of um, other folks uh, of the church, right? So this is the church's mechanism to bring about reconciliation. So like the civil world is going to have its own ways of dealing with reconciliation, but this is um, inspiration that um, God is offering to those who are, as Matthew is going to describe, are in Christ and are longing for a way to find reconciliation not only with one another, but also with God in and through Jesus, right? So if another member of the church sins against you, then go and point out the fault. And notice that it doesn't say point out the fault in front of 500 other people. Notice that it doesn't say like, um, you know, like at a party with 40 of your closest friends, you know, start shouting at this person and telling them how bad they've been to you. Like it actually doesn't say that at all. It says like, go and point out the fault when the two of you are what? The two of you are alone. Like, this can be a private thing that can have a pretty phenomenal public impact for the kind of witness that that we're meant to offer. And and if the member listens to you, well, like, you've regained that one. If, If they're responsive to the fact that they've harmed you or sinned against you, that's a blessing and that's wonderful. And it feels like there can be potentially some kind of restoration of of relationship there, Jesus seems to teach. Um, But if you're not listened to, right? If you're not listened to, you don't have to leave it there. 
take one or two others along with you so that like every word may be confirmed by like the evidence of, of two or three witnesses. Now, like what's that about, right? Again, that's not in the presence of 500 people, but that's if this um, type of interaction where you're able to say to somebody, hey, like this is how I felt when this happened and that isn't okay with me. Uh, and I need us to be able to reconcile this or talk about this, um, that, that's like powerful stuff. And, and if you're listened to and that breeds this amazing kind of fertile ground for something new to begin to spring up, and um, well, that, that can be pretty remarkable and profound. And those are grace-filled moments when that happens. But if you're not listened to, like, doesn't say like trash them on social media, <laughs> It doesn't say a lot of things, right? But what it does say is, but take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I want to remind you that um, in this image that we're getting from the middle of the Gospel of Matthew in the 18th chapter, this work of reconciliation, it isn't just something that's up to an individual. It isn't just something that's up to two individuals. It's something actually that the whole body is responsible for. Think about that with me for just a minute, how profound and powerful that is, that it's not just, oh, that's a private affair, but, but in the life of the church, that there's actually something about the accountability and the loving graciousness of, of church family that allows like fertile ground for reconciliation to facilitate. And I know that sounds kind of idealistic, uh, and I'm just like laying out some of what Jesus is teaching here, and we'll internalize that and pray through that and kind of be able to lean into that in our own ways. Um, but there's remarkable wisdom in being able to say, you know what, reconciliation is important enough that if one conversation didn't do it, then I'm going to double back, but I'm going to double back with one or two folks not to gang up on somebody, Right, Not to gang up on somebody. That's going to put them on the defensive and that's probably not going to work at all. But it's probably going to have the opposite effect of what you might like. Like your anger would be happy with kind of ganging up on somebody. But if your goal is actually reconciliation, that's probably not the best way um, to, 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 um, you know, to kind of get there. But we have an opportunity right, with, with, um, with one or two or three other folks to be able to help on behalf of the community to own this work um, that we're called to be about. Uh, if the member refuses to listen to them, well, like, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, then let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like that's a powerful acknowledgement of, of what it looks like, right? A powerful acknowledgement of what it looks like um, to be able to encounter some glimpse of of reconciliation. Um, can, can we just like, so let's take that, let's let, let those be seeds that are planted in our hearts. And, and for the next couple of minutes, let's, 
let's, let's do some real talk, right? Um, take in the values and the principles that are offered to us in the inspired word and, and allowing them to inspire us to, to live different and to, to be different. Part of what I'm really struck by in this particular passage um, is that in the church owning the work of reconciliation, the, the way that two people will be reconciled is secondary to the way that those who have primarily offended one another need to be reconciled with God. Let me say that again. I'll say it in a, try and say it in a more plain way. What, what seems to be teased out here, right? It's not unlike um, in Psalm 51 when, when David is offering this uh, pretty powerful prayer of confession, public prayer of confession. He's been confronted in sin and he's offering this powerful prayer of confession. And he says these words. Um, he says, um, against you, O Lord, and you alone have I sinned. And I want you to think about that for just a minute, because if you know anything about that part of David's um, story in David's life, he actually sinned against a lot of folk, right? Like he sinned against a lot of folk. But, but that's not primarily where the reconciliation has to happen. The reconciliation needs to happen first and foremost, it seems, with God. And then as that reconciliation then begins to overflow, it'll begin to positively impact those whom he has negatively impacted or negatively Affected. So, like, think with me for just a minute about the, the gift of what it means to know that somehow what this particular passage of Scripture is really doing is helping to reconcile us and those who have offended us and those whom we've offended to reconcile all of us with the good news of Jesus. To reconcile all of us with the good news of Jesus. I see Jesse uh, Patmore here, and Jesse's one of our folks that works in jail ministry and prison ministry, and it just makes me think about probably one of the most profound uh, illustrations of this that I've ever seen. If you've ever been on a Kairos walk, which is a, a spiritual experience um, that happens oftentimes for prisoners that are um, in um, like pretty medium to maximum security prisons. Like, like Kairos can happen in all different kinds of places, but uh, when I was privileged to be a part of those weekends, it was always kind of in a, a pretty difficult situation with some folks that were charged uh, and convicted with some pretty significant and serious crimes. Um, but one of the most amazing highlights of that weekend um, is that there's a whole bunch of home-baked cookies that are made from folks in churches just like Long's Chapel. And all those cookies are taken, and they're not just, they're not just fed to the, the prisoners, which is a really important part of the weekend, that they actually get some home cooking and get a very different kind of ex a way to experience God's love and the community of the church. Even with folks that can't physically lay hands on them or be present to pray with them, they're able to taste and see that God is good through those cookies that are, that are baked. And then um, there's this amazing thing that happens. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of cookies are put by the dozen into paper bags, right? Paper bags. And then um, uh, the folks that gather, right? The folks that have been a part of this really, this spiritual experience and the spiritual weekend, they have, they have an opportunity, I won't go into detail about that, but they have an opportunity to be able to, for many of them for the first time and for a lot of them um, for, um, you know, another time to be able to be reconciled to God by being able to offer to God some of the things in their heart that have kept God's love from running loose in their life. We all have those things and, um, and those men, in my case, uh, always had those things just like all of us do. And they were able to, to offer that to God in, in an offering um, as a form of reconciliation. And then they're all invited to leave that gathering with a bag of cookies, a dozen cookies. And they're invited to take that paper bag of cookies 
to the person in the prison that they like the least. To take those cookies, right, to the person that they may have offended the greatest in the prison. And I just have to share with you that, um, like, these are grown strong men. And um, these moments are really tender and precious when they have an opportunity to realize that something of them being reconciled with God is now wrapped up in their ability to be able to pass along that spirit of good news to somebody else who's hurt or harmed them or who, for whom they've, they've hurt or harmed. And the profound impact of being able to share a bag of grace with someone, um, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable, and it just reminds us again that, that something, like everything that Jesus is teaching in the gospel isn't just about like how we can get along better with one another. It has that impact, right? It, it's almost like, like that's the overflow of it. But the primary implication is that I'm actually like meant to love God better, and I'm meant to allow God to resolve God's love in my life more significantly in such a way that, um, that the overflow of that love pours out in the relationships that we have one with another. But it, but it all ultimately is going back, friends, to my relationship with God and how God's heart is running loose in my life. Or, or if I'm struggling to allow God's love to run loose in my life, being able to ask that really important question or being in a group or with someone that I trust where we can ask that question of, but why? But Why? I, um, there's a lot of things that we haven't actually talked about, um, and I just want to name them. It's pretty hard to reconcile with somebody when they know they've wronged you and they haven't apologized for it, right? Can, is that hard? Is that hard for you? When somebody's wronged you but they haven't apologized for it? Is that, is that hard? It's hard. I think it's hard. I think it's hard, right? But... But again, if the reconciliation and the goal of reconciliation is really something that's happening between the Holy Spirit and you... Um, then that person's apology may be nice to receive, but it's not necessarily necessary for the work that Christ is doing in our hearts in those moments. I also want to name the fact that sometimes, friends, I carry this, and I bet you do as well, sometimes we have some unresolved stuff with somebody who has, um, who has passed away or has died. And the, the reconciliation in that relationship that we longed for doesn't seem like it's possible. It doesn't seem like it's possible in the way that, that, that we once dreamed for it or longed for it. And I just, once again, want to name, but I, I don't want you to shortchange. I don't want you to shortchange what the power of the Holy Spirit longs to do in your heart and in my heart as we get to be people of reconciliation and we get to learn from where we've been and we get to lean into grace and we get to do the hard work of loving and building up Christ um, filled, love filled community with one another. Um, and the overflow of that, friends, is the most remarkable stuff of life. The most remarkable stuff of life. I just mentioned about those prisoners. I just, I don't know how to describe to you in a three day experience how somebody can come in literally with the weight of the world on their shoulders and literally leave as if they are not going back to spend part of the rest of their life or the rest of their life behind bars. But there are no bars because there is a freedom in that space that they have claimed with Jesus that, um, that bars can't take away. You know the difference in them and us? 
is that they know that they're in prison and we often forget that sometimes we're in prison. Now, the difference in them and us is that like they're faced every day with that reality and sometimes we can pretend as if we don't live behind similar kinds of bars that are constructed in our life that prevent us from fully being free in Jesus. But friends, like that's exactly what Jesus is longing for for each and every one of us. Can we, um, can we just share together in prayer? I, I just want to invite you in, uh, in this time of prayer. There are things in your heart that are happening in your life right now, maybe with yourself and your relationship with God. Maybe it's in your relationship with another person. There's something that feels unreconciled potentially. Maybe it's a grief that's overwhelming you. Maybe it's an anger that has the potential to grow into something pretty unhealthy. Just want to invite you in your heart to just, if you could just kind of, like I have multiple things of, of all of that um, that are welling up in my heart. And I just, I'm just going to focus on one in this moment. I just invite you to just kind of focus on one. And I just invite you to offer, offer that to God. Can we, can we celebrate the Holy Spirit's work that's like happening in this? Like, can we just celebrate that? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Woo. Thank you for just being real and taking a very specific example of something that's happening in your life and, and, and struggle with a neighbor and, and just offering that to God and saying, God, like, what can, I, what can I do with this? And whatever they do with that, it's up to them. Like, that's between them and the Holy Spirit, but, but you're asking the right question about what can I do? What can I do with that, and what does God want to do through me? Friends, let's continue in prayer. Oh, God, we're grateful that, um, like, a life in Jesus reminds us that life is going to be filled with conflict, and at the very same time, some of the most amazing things that could ever happen in our life happen as a result of the way that your Holy Spirit is working in the most desperate and conflictual situations that we could possibly dream up or imagine. And so, God, for those things that are eating us up that we don't even maybe know that they're eating us up, or maybe we do know and we just don't know what to do about it, we want to do what we can faithfully do to respond to your Holy Spirit running loose in our life and in this church. We are not powerless. We get to be powerful by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to, um, oh God, we're going to grab hold of that which feels unresolved in relationships. We're going to offer that to you. We're going to do what we faithfully can to work resolution. And at the very same time, oh God, we're not going to let others have that kind of power over us. Because we don't want to be imprisoned by that. We want to be free in you. And so we pray, oh God, that you would lead us to that freedom that only you can provide. And that you help us, oh God, to rely on that Holy Spirit to bring about the fruit of that good work in this life and in a life that is to come as we're grateful, oh God, for the way that your kingdom is being birthed even in our very midst. We long, oh God, for a peace that passes all understanding strong and precious name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. 
If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Longs Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. See you next week.